0: Real estate agents from around the world. Please help me welcome. He's a six foot three sophomore from Covington, Georgia, a parade first team All American rivals, five star recruit. Please put your hands together and welcome the flood insurance guru, the incomparable Mr. Chris Green. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to the Flood Guru podcast. My name is Chris Green, president and owner of the Flood Insurance Guru. Today we're finishing up our series on. Disaster assistance, you know, we've talked about the local government, we've talked about the state government, and today we're talking about the federal government, the kingpin, and the disaster assistance process. You know, we talked about what local responsibilities are, state responsibilities. Well, today we're going to talk about basically the decision maker. When it comes to disaster assistance, you know, the locals can do everything right, the state governments can do everything right but it's still ultimately up to not just the federal government, but actually to the president to approve disaster assistance or not. You know, we jokingly say, hey, if a president doesn't like your governor, he could decide or they could decide to decline your disaster assistance, which technically is true. It's ultimately up to them. So that's why it's so important for the local governments and the state governments to provide accurate data, getting the FEMA uh, employees in for the correct assessments. So when they submit all all this reporting to the federal government, they have all the documentation to where disaster assistance should be approved, or maybe it's not approved. The federal government does not, or the president does not sign off on every disaster assistance approval. Only the ones where the disaster assistance needed is over the head of what the local and the state government can manage. And so that, you know, Realistically, that is probably most disasters, um, but that's something important to remember though. For example, in Texas right now, you know, you've got to have at least 800 homes with at least 18 inches of rain or water in them that didn't have flood insurance. Well, parts of Houston aren't to that level yet, so they don't qualify on that level for disaster assistance. You know, they only had about $3 million in damage uh, a few weeks ago. They haven't met the threshold of $37.7 million and damages in order to qualify for disaster assistance. You see, unlike the local and the uh, state levels, the federal government makes all the guidelines for getting federal disaster assistance. So let's talk about what happens when disaster assistance is approved. Well, when it's approved, what it does is it kinda opens up the door for the state government to be able to push these funds down to the local levels and help on things like like individual disaster assistance which could be temporary living expenses, medical expenses, dental expenses, even burial expenses. And that individual assistance is really what we're talking about. Public assistance is going to cover things like public facilities. And those have different guidelines than individual assistance does. So we also want to talk about what happens when this disaster assistance is approved and it's pushed down. Well, it could be if you decide to accept that disaster assistance that you have to keep flood insurance on your property permanently. You know, this sometimes is one of the conditions of FEMA is if your property floods and disaster assistance was paid out, they may require flood insurance to be carried on the property for the life of the property. So that's something important to think about if you're going to accept this disaster assistance from the government. You also want to look at the amount that might be accepted. You know, it might even be Two or three thousand dollars, for example, uh, during Harvey, the average disaster assistance payout was about four thousand dollars, compared to about one hundred forty thousand dollars for flood insurance. So that's something important to think about. Also, you know, you may not be getting disaster assistance if your property is located in a coastal barrier resource system area. You know, this is almost like a very a reserve area. So this is something else to think about. You know, if it's not a primary residence, you may not qualify for disaster assistance. And so that's why you know a lot of people are like, "Well, how are this many homes not enough for disaster assistance?" Well, it may not be primary residences, it may be in rental properties, it may be investment properties. So these are all things that go into the decision making of the federal government or the president when putting out disaster assistance. So, we briefly wanted to talk about, you know, the federal government or the president's role in getting disaster assistance approved. You know, as I've said, you know, we've talked in this series. It works its way up from the local to the state. If the state has to submit it to the president, and the president has to decide if he's going to accept or not. Now, it's not unusual for a presidential disaster declaration to not be filed for three to six months as they're collecting uh, assessments and making sure they fall within these guidelines. So just because your community hasn't been approved within a month or two, doesn't mean you're not necessarily going to get it. So these are just some things to think about. So that concludes our series on disaster assistance, local, state, and federal government involvement. You know, what's the role of each one? So if you've got questions about disaster assistance, if you've got questions about flood insurance, please reach out to us, floodinsuranceguru.com. Go to our YouTube and our Facebook channels, the Flood Insurance Guru, where we do daily flood education videos. You can also give us a call. 205 My name is Chris Green, president and owner of the Flood Insurance Guru, and I want to say thank you for tuning in to the Flood Guru Podcast.